A reading from the book of the prophet Amos. Thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, woe to the complacent in Zion, lying upon beds of ivory, stretched comfortably on their couches. They eat lambs taken from the flock and calves from the stall. Improvising to the music of the harp like David, they devise their own accompaniment. They drink wine from bowls and anoint themselves with the best oils. Yet they are not made ill by the collapse of Joseph. Therefore, now they shall be the first to go into exile, and their wanton revelry shall be done away with. The word of the Lord. reading from the first letter of St. Paul to Timothy. But you, man of God, pursue righteousness, devotion, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Compete well for the faith. Lay hold of eternal life to which you are called when you made the noble confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you before God 
who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus, who gave testimony under Pontius Pilate for the noble confession, to keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the blessed and only ruler will make manifest at the proper time, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, and whom no human being has seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal power. Amen. The word of the Lord. Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to the Pharisees, There was a rich man who dressed in purple garments and fine linen and died, dined sumptuously each day. And lying at his door was a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores who would gladly have eaten his fill of the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Dogs even used to come and lick his sores. When the poor man died, he was carried away by angels to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. And from the netherworld, where he was in torment, he raised his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he cried out, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am suffering torment in these flames. Abraham replied, My child, remember that you received what was good during your lifetime while Lazarus likewise received what was bad. But now he is comforted here, whereas you are tormented. Moreover, between us and you, a great chasm is established to prevent anyone from crossing 
who might wish to go from our side to yours or from your side to ours. He said, Then I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they too come to this place of torment. But Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. He said, Oh no, Father Abraham, but if, oh no, Father Abraham, but someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Then Abraham said, If they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. God's word for us this morning is speaking to us about a particular kind of sin, different from we say about committing sins, doing something we know is wrong. But this shows us another kind of category of sin, of sins of omission. Omitting to do the good we could do or the good we should do is another kind of sin. And we see it portrayed in the scriptures. In the first reading, we have the Lord saying through the prophet, uh, the, the one who is complacent, uh, the one who is complacent about uh, Zion. And complacency means being self-satisfied, even smug. So woe to the complacent in Zion, the prophet says. And then it goes on, they're not even disturbed by the collapse of Joseph. They're not disturbed by what's happened to their people. And so there's a condemnation of complacency in that first reading. And then we have in the gospel, it portrayed even more broadly with the rich man and the poor man, Lazarus. And so the rich man has everything he needs, more than enough. And he's dining sumptuously, it says, every day is everything, and the poor man is right at his doorstep. We don't know if the rich man had to walk over him or around him every day, and he acts in no way to help the poor man. Lazarus is left, and the rich man does nothing for him. He omits to do the good he could do. And so then we see that they both die, and uh, Lazarus is now in comfort in the bosom of Abraham, the rich man is in a place of torment and he describes flames so we could say he's put himself in hell by his omission. He's put himself there and now he can't leave there. It's interesting, isn't it, that Lazarus has a name, the rich man doesn't have a name. And that name given by God, our identity, our worth, our, our value, the rich man has abandoned his true name, hey? And so it's a reminder that the rich man is again putting himself in eternal ruin because of what he failed to do while he was alive. Abraham says there's no way that you can go from your place to our place 
or the other way. Think about it today. Who would be someone most vulnerable, most innocent, and poor who might be before us? Could we say it's the unborn child? Could we say how vulnerable, how at risk little lives are in our culture today? And it is a special call for us as Catholics in the state of Michigan for something that we want to stand against called uh, Proposal 3. Proposal 3 is legislation put forward by a group called Reproductive Freedom for All. They're in union with Planned Parenthood and the ACLU. <clears throat> and they have spent a lot of money to put this legislation on the ballot. And it calls for really kind of enshrining a so-called right to abortion at all stages of pregnancy, from conception to right during birth, calling for the freedom to abort that little child. But as you read the legislation more carefully, there are a lot of other repercussions that are kind of hidden in the language. And these are some of the things that would happen. Not only legalizing abortion at any time in pregnancy for any reason, but allowing abortions to be performed by anyone, even those without a medical license. It would allow any person to help teens obtain abortions without their parents knowing. It removes a number of laws that guard parental consent and drops that right out. It can protect abortion providers from penalties for killing or injuring a woman during an abortion. It would revoke state law that requires abortion facilities to be licensed and inspected. It would require taxpayers to pay for abortions. It would remove conscience protection for doctors and nurses who don't want to perform abortions. And the language is such in a broad, hidden way that people don't recognize right away what is there, like I just read. So it uses the term individuals without, again, naming uh, age, or is this a minor we're talking about? All kinds of repercussions, again, that would come with Proposal 3 being accepted. So we really want to be clear about this, and you'll be getting more education in the bulletins and weeks ahead. But to equip us, so if we're in conversation with others and they don't really realize what this proposal holds, we want to be ready to speak the truth in love and also to be prepared to vote no clearly. <clears throat> it's going to be in November on the ballot. And again, we can stand strong as a Catholic community. We can make a difference there. Our bishop is asking us to do a, a couple of things in terms of our spiritual response to this challenge. So first of all, prayer. He's asking, would you pray a rosary daily for the intention of not allowing this proposal to come through? Second, to fast in some way during the week. One day in the week, choose to fast somehow because there's power in prayer and fasting. And thirdly, anyone that might be able to, to contribute with the Michigan Catholic Conference for positive ads, again, that proclaim the truth about this dangerous legislation. But we're called by the Lord, again, not to be complacent, but to be 
courageous to be committed, to use the ability we have in prayer and fasting, as well as our vote eventually. So as we pray the Eucharist today, let's ask the Lord to give us that courage and that commitment that we can be instruments protecting women and children, helping to foster a culture of life. 